Yeah! At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Welcome back to another episode of The Takedown. As always, brought to you by Phone Soap. Go to phonesoap.com, use the code TAKEDOWN, and get 20% off of your order. Uh, This week, we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, We are launching The Takedown MMA episode number one. Um, I've been talking about doing this for a while now with a couple of my friends. Um, The idea has been bounced around and changed like a hundred different times in a hundred different ways. But I thought that after the past weekend that we just had, um, like fight-wise, like I felt like this is the perfect opportunity to do this. Uh, I know tomorrow, January the 18th, that the MMA world is going to be absolutely flooded with podcasts and vlogs and blogs and, and news articles. Uh, talking about this weekend and I wanted to kind of get a a head start on it. I wanted to get a jump and uh, I know a lot of the people that listen to this show or that listen to the takedown are huge MMA fans and you guys have been messaging me and asking me about a full MMA episode. So uh, yeah, let's fucking do this, man. I mean, we just watch history unfold over the weekend in Abu Dhabi in, in multiple different ways too. I mean, this was the very first UFC on ABC, um, which I'm I'm not sure if this was a one-off kind of deal. I'm not sure if this is um, going to be in continuation with the ESPN deal. Um, but this was the very first UFC on ABC, uh, headlined by Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Um, let's jump in before I get into all the history that was made um, and like everything that happened. Let's just jump into like a little bit around the card, right? Um, so the main card, Joaquin Buckley right, at middleweight, he's a guy, he just had the knockout of the year over Impa Kasaganai, uh, takes on a newcomer, Alicio DeShirico, a lot of people are riding with Joaquin Buckley, and for, for good reason, I mean, um, Joaquin Buckley, being as young as he is, he's fought a lot of really good people, he's fought Impa, um, he actually fought uh, Kevin Holland, who was my fighter of the year, um, but he's had a huge year himself, right, had an absolutely outstanding year, I mean, you lose to Kevin Holland, Kind of no big deal. Kevin Holland's on a five-fight five win streak. Uh, to bounce back from that, though, to fight Impa Kasaganai, who is on a fucking tear himself, man. Um, and you get the knockout of the year over that guy? Fuck, man. Uh, so there was a lot of hype on, on Joaquin Buckley coming into this fight. And very much, like, very much deserved, right? Um, Alicio DeShirico got absolutely overlooked, though. And absolutely flatlined Joaquin Buckley uh, in the first round, about two minutes in. And that's one of those things where you're kind of seeing Joaquin Buckley, who I'm, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of. Uh, he just, he talks a lot of shit, right? Um, that's kind of like what you're seeing. He either kills people or he gets killed. Like it really is kill or be killed for that guy because he, uh, you know, we've now seen him on the on the receiving end of two huge knockouts. We've seen him on the uh, on the winning side of two huge knockouts. I mean, um, he's a young guy. Like he's gonna grow. He's gonna get a lot better. But props to Alicio DeShirico, who then um, told the media that he did not want an interview. You know, when they're doing the press conference, the post fight presser, uh, he sat down, still had his gloves on, and he said that he did not want an interview. Actually, the term he used was, uh, or the, the the words he used were, he didn't like how MMA, um, 
like it's a two man sport, but they only interview the winner. It was like his uh, reason for not wanting to be interviewed, which, um, in all actuality, like I don't, I don't know. I kind of, I mean, I can kind of agree. Um, you know, he felt uh, strong in this belief, I guess. So, you know, if, if somebody's strong in their belief, you can't really knock them, you know? You just kind of let them, uh, you know, let them be. But it's very humble of him to have this huge platform. You just knocked out one of the most viral dudes in the UFC, and then you choose to not interview and, and market yourself afterwards. I mean, that's kind of, it's a it's a double-edged sword because, A, you just, you just stabbed yourself, but, B, you probably want a lot of fans by, uh, I don't know, by being humble, maybe? Uh, so after that, we had Santiago Ponzinibbio making his comeback against uh, China's Li Jinglang. Um, Santiago has been on a tear at welterweight, right? So uh, flatlined Mike Perry. Um, I mean, he didn't flatline. He steamrolled Mike Perry, I should say. Um, and just goes on this absolute tear. A lot of bad luck, right? He sidelined a lot um I think he was sidelined all of 2020, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but you get this this kid in Li Jinglang, who's an absolute excellent grappler, uh, excellent with the hands. And, yeah, I mean, whether you want to say it was ring rust, whether you want to say it was um, just Li Jinglang being like that motherfucker, I mean, Li Jinglang got a pretty sweet-ass uh, lead hook knockout, of all things, too, which I... Um, like in striking, I love throwing lead hooks. If you throw a good jab and then a lead hook right behind it, it's it's very hard to counter. Um, but that lead hook, I mean, it just cracked Santiago, and he went down. I mean, that was all all it really took. And then the co-main event: Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, two absolute welterweight legends, have been in there with the best of the best. Like that is all you can say. They have been in there with the literal best of the best. Um, I mean, shit, between the two of them, I mean, you've got Robbie Lawler, George St. Pierre, uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, the list goes on, man. They fought a lot of fucking people. Johnny Hendricks, uh, Nick Diaz, just to name a couple, couple opponents. Um, it, this was one of those fights where I thought, I was like, you know what? Um, this is going to be, this is going to be one of those fights where I'm perfectly fine, no matter how it ends. As long as they both kind of hang it up. Right? I'm not being salty. I love Carlos Condit. I love Matt Brown. I wanted Carlos to kind of win, I think. Um, just because I knew it was his last... Uh, the last fight on his contract. I like Matt Brown. I love Carlos Condit. I was perfectly fine no matter how this fight went. Because I, I was under the assumption that hopefully... They would both hang it up after this. Um, Carlos Condit ended up getting the decision win... It was a very good fight. It was actually a lot better than I imagined it was going to be. Uh, you know, Carlos Condit's coming off a win over uh, Court McGee. Before that, though, Carlos Condit was looking kind of rough in his last fights, and I honestly was kind of wondering, like, maybe, you know, maybe Matt Brown puts him away. You know, Matt Brown's one of those guys that seems to be getting better with age. Um, but it was it was a phenomenal fight. Matt's a little upset today over the. Uh, one of the judges' scorecards, it was 30-27, which I, I definitely thought Matt Brown won the first round and then lost the second and lost the third. Um, so I can understand him being a little upset. But, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
in my mind, it was very clear who the winner was and who the loser was. Um, I feel like when you get mad at something after the fact, like a scorecard, when you definitely lost the fight, I don't know, it just seems kind of... Um, you know, fighting is a very vulnerable thing, man, and there's a lot of insecurities that come with it, and there's a lot of uh, pride that comes with it. So, I, I, I mean, I've been in those shoes before where... Um, you know, you kind of project things. You kind of, you're mad at everything but. You know what I mean? Uh, but kudos to both of those guys. Truly hope Carlos Condit hangs it up. Uh, and I truly hope Matt Brown does too. I mean, they, they can have incredible careers as coaches, as commentators, as um, as whatever they want. But I, I hope that they don't, I hope they don't stick around too long. Right? Those are two legends where, I just really hope they don't stick around too long because that'd be an absolute shame, man. I mean, we've we've seen it firsthand with Diego Sanchez, uh, where this guy's hung around way too fucking long, and now he's starting to have some really weird residual side effects. Right, BJ Penn is an absolute um, example of this, where these people stick around a little bit too long, and that's what I'm saying. Fighting is a very prideful thing. It's a very, it's a very primal thing. It's very natural. Um, but I just, I hope that both of these guys don't stick around and take more than they need to, if that makes sense. And finally, man, finally, the main event, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Um, it is no secret. Max Holloway is my favorite fighter, right? I always, I have a bias for three different fighters. It's Max Holloway, Robert Whitaker, Justin Gaethje. My three all-time favorites. Um... And TJ, too. I'm a huge TJ Dillashaw fan. Um, I've interacted with Mike Chandler on multiple levels. I'm a a huge Mike Chandler fan. Um, uh, But the main three for me, though, Max, Robert, and Justin. Um, So coming into this fight, it's very obvious I'm riding with Max Holloway. 100%. I mean, I'm I'm on the Blessed Express, bro. I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. Um, I, I respect Calvin Cater. A lot. And I told, I actually told my brother coming into this fight, I said, I don't see a way that Max loses this fight. But if he was to lose to anyone right now at Featherweight, I would hope that it was, it was Calvin Cater. Calvin's a guy, he's a tough ass Boston kid, doesn't talk a lot of shit. Excellent hands, man. Excellent boxing. Um, and he's just a really good guy. That New England cartel team, full of absolute killers. And they're all super humble. They're all super good guys. Um, Max Holloway though coming in, he's coming off two losses to Alexander Volkanovsky, who, um, <clears throat> if you're a friend of mine on social media, you definitely know that I I did not score Alex winning those fights. I do not think Alex won those fights at all. And ninety percent of MMA media and MMA fighters also think that Max was definitely robbed in those fights. Um, but the, the narrative coming into this fight was that Max is out to prove something, right? Calvin Cater is a young, hungry kid on the way up. He's trying to, trying to blast into that top five, that top, uh, that top spot. Max is the number one contender and Calvin Cater is number six in the world. And so to kind of put this in perspective for non-fight fans, because people who, uh, might be listening to this episode as like a fan of the takedown that like, they're not really familiar with MMA. There's a guy named Cody Garbrandt, right? Cody Garbrandt was ranked number eight in the world when he beat Dominic Cruz, who was the champion at, at Bantamweight, I think in 2016. 
Uh, Cody Garbrandt was ranked number eight. And he, the only, the only reason Cody got in the fight against Dom was because they were talking shit back and forth. And Dom said, just let me shut this kid up. Yada, 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 right? So Cody gets this fight against the champion. He's ranked number eight in the world. Shocks the fucking world. Goes out and shuts down Dominic Cruz. Wins all five rounds on the judges' scorecards. And won the championship. So this narrative that Calvin Cater is ranked number six and doesn't belong in there with Max is absolutely incorrect. Right? Calvin took on Zabit Nurmagomed Sharapov. Fuck. Zabit Nurmagomed Sharapov, um, who's an absolute killer, and started winning. I mean, he won the last round against Zabit. Um, goes in there against Dan Ige, puts on a fucking performance against Dan Ige, wins it, fights uh, Jeremy Stevens, fucking kills Jeremy Stevens with an elbow, follows it up on the ground, ground and pounds him. Um, so we've seen Calvin come into his own, we're seeing him grow as a fighter, and we're, we're recognizing that his boxing is out of this fucking world, dude. And that he has incredible power, I mean, one one punch, knock you flat kind of power. But Max Holloway is the former champion, number one in the world, and an absolute animal, right? So, <clears throat> coming into this, Max had something to prove. After you've been robbed in your last two fights, um, and you're taking on a young, hungry kid, you have a lot to prove. Max Holloway came out and set, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I think that people are still tallying up all these all these things, and they're still cross-checking everything. I think Max, Max set five different records on Saturday night. Right? A... The first fucking 50-42 scorecard that I've ever heard. Which means multiple 10-8 rounds or a 10-7 round. So, uh, for anybody that might not be familiar with this, in MMA, there's a 10-point must scoring system, right? So there's the winner of the round gets 10 points, the loser of the round would get 9 or fewer depending on how the round goes. So let's say... Me and you are fighting, right? And let's say that uh, you're throwing more strikes than me and you take me down. Okay, so this is a 10-9. A you got the 10, I have the 9. Um, now let's say that in this, in, this, in this round, you were to knock me down and then just beat the fucking shit out of me on the ground. Hold me down, I, don't, I, don't, I can't do anything, right? That would be a 10-8 round. Depending on how severe this beating is, you can you can keep going now ten, uh, you know ten eight ten seven whatever. Um, so a fifty forty two means that there was multiple um, multiple ten eights or or a ten seven. Um, so Max, the first ten or the, I'm sorry, the first fifty forty two scorecard I've ever heard in my life. That's that's record number one. Uh, right, so. Bringing up the rest of these records. Um, so Max landed no fewer than 56 strikes in any round. One round is five minutes. So to put that in perspective, he's landing at least, at least 10 punches per minute. Uh, a lot of you might not be impressed by this stat, but when you think of this is the highest level of competition possible. You're blocking, you're slipping, you're you're dipping, you're you're moving, right? 
no fewer than 56 strikes in any round. And he capped it off at 141 in the fourth. So he threw a total of 141 fucking strikes in the fourth round. That, that made me sore to think about. Right? Like, that's a lot of fucking striking. Uh, By the time the massacre was over... He outlanded Qatar. Sorry, he outlanded Cager. I always want to say Qatar because there's two T's in his name. And I've always, like, when I first started watching him, I was like, oh, it's Calvin Qatar. Um, he outlanded Cater 445 to 133. Very impressive. Calvin managed to land 133 strikes. Um, but that's over, that's over 25 minutes. That's five, five rounds. Max landed 445. Uh, and that's only in significant strikes. That's not even total strikes. I should have said that to begin with. but um, <clears throat> Yeah, so... Uh, he, actually, he actually beat... Um, the striking differential, right? 302... Or, or, sorry, 312. That was a UFC record. Um, significant strikes landed at 445. That's a fucking record. The previous record being owned by Max versus uh, Brian Ortega. Right, so the dude's breaking his own fucking records. Um, significant strikes attempted. This is fucking insane. 744. Of the 445... Um, So, Max landed 447. Sorry. So, 445 of those were uh, significant. 445 total. Of those 445 strikes, 439 of them were distance strikes. That's a fucking record. Um, significant head strikes landed. Broke a fucking record on this. 274. But he wasn't just headhunting. He went to the body, too. Broke the fucking record there. Significant body strikes landed. 117. Um, fuck, man. 447 total strikes landed. Uh, sorry. 447 total strikes landed. 746 total strikes attempted. Broke all the fucking records. The the two that stand out to me the most. 274 significant strikes to the head and 117 to the body. That's a fucking massacre. I'm I've never like I don't judge anybody's uh fight. I don't judge anybody's coaches. I don't judge anybody's game plan. This fight was over after round two. Right, Calvin Cater had nothing. He had no answer after round two. Sure, he still threw strikes. He was still able to slip some strikes. That is a fucking beatdown. To the point where the last fight that Max had where he broke uh, records the first time was against Brian Ortega and I think, I think it was two years ago. Um, They threw in the towel. After the fourth round, they threw in the towel. They didn't want their their guy to get hurt anymore. This guy, whether it be pride, whether it be, um, 
I guess a poor coaching decision, what whatever it may be. And you have these fighters that say, hey, if you ever throw in the towel on me, I'm going to leave. Well, hey, dude, if you get that salty because your coaches are trying to save your fucking life, then by all means, like go find somewhere else. But if that's the narrative, uh, that's shitty. But that was a fucking massacre. It was a beatdown, dude. Made me fucking, made me cringe a couple times. And Max is throwing these fucking shots. Man. He's throwing spinning back kicks to the body that's landing. He's throwing elbows through the fucking guard. Uppercuts. No look fucking jabs. Like, completely flexing on this fucking dude. That was a beatdown. An absolute beatdown. Your man had nothing to offer. Um, and I'm not knocking Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater will 100, like he'll 100% fight for a title at some point in his career. That like I'm not knocking him at all. He's a, he's as tough as they fucking come. But he had no answer. He had no fucking answer at all. That's what makes it that much more incredible. If there are any basketball fans, uh, imagine if Wilt uh, Wilt Chamberlain backed up his hundred point game. With 153 points a few years later. Uh, or a football. If Adrian Peterson topped that 296 rushing uh, yards in a game with like four, uh, 454. Or Max Schwerzer went to extra innings and struck out 31. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what Max Holloway fucking did, bro. Max Holloway put on... And I've said it. I've said it multiple times. And I'm going to say it again. I've been, I've watched. I've watched uh, combat sports my entire life. I've performed combat sports my entire life. This is the single greatest, like the single fucking greatest performance I've ever seen in my life. And I truly like. Before this, um, it was Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. That was an absolute masterclass. You know, then Justin Gaethje had this standout performance against Tony Ferguson. Just looked absolutely fucking beautiful. Um, it's gonna take it's gonna take a hell of a performance to beat this one anytime soon. And you know, I mean, Max is such a humble guy, He's such a cool guy. Um, talking during the fight, talking to the commentary, pointing to DC, flexing, uh, to DC. He says, "I'm the best boxer in UFC, baby." And lands a no look fucking jab while slipping punches. Dude, dude's looking at Daniel Cormier and 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 slipping punches. I mean, phenomenal. Really think about stopping this and the coaches. He points out the DC. He's even listening to the commentary team. I mean, that is just fucking insane, right? Like, like that is just fucking absolutely crazy. Um, and then, you know, you're kind of wondering how is a, how's a post fight interview going to go? And he says that he's going to stay on the Island for next week and, and see if, if anybody misses weight, right. we're going to get to next week, uh, here in just a moment. But he, he says he, he's waiting to see if anybody misses weight because he wants in on that 155 action. I mean, he's Max Holloway 2.0. For sure. Earlier this year, we got Brian Ortega 2.0, who beat the Korean Zombie. Absolutely beat down the Korean Zombie. And now he's taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. 
uh, for the featherweight title. Truthfully, and I'm not being salty, I actually really like Volkanovski, but I think Ortega 2.0 is going to take it, and I think we're going to get a Max Holloway, uh, Brian Ortega 2 fight for the title. Um, absolutely fucking phenomenal, bro. Um, fight fans, this Wednesday, a card has slid right under the rug, January the 20th, and it actually starts at noon. Uh, Mike Chiesa taking on Neil Magny in the main event. Um, I'm a huge, 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 huge Mike Chiesa fan. Um, you look at Mike Chiesa's last three fights, you know, he, he had a one-arm Kimura over Carlos Condit, um, beat Diego Sanchez, you know, the infamous oil check that, uh, Diego went for on him, which if you're, if you're not a wrestler, Google it. I don't want to, I don't want to get into detail. Um, and then former lightweight champ, Rafael Dos Anjos, I mean, he uh, put on a fucking master class against RDA, which is very fucking hard, mind you. Um, Neil Magny's surgeon right now, too. I mean, uh, he beat Li Jinglang, who we talked about earlier, um, which is really, what's, what's, like, what's kind of funny, right, is that <clears throat> Neil Magny lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio and then beat Li Jinglang, who beat Santiago uh, Saturday. It's just kind of a little, it's just a little bit of MMA math humor. Um, he beat Li Jinglang, though. Then he moved forward, beat Anthony Rocco Martin, who, yeah, welterweight's actually kind of on the come up. One of those American top team kids. I think he's uh, Kayla Harrison's boyfriend, actually. Uh, really tough as they come. Um, and then Neil got that boring-ass decision win over Robbie Lawler. Um, they're both... Uh, they're both three and zero in their last three. I'm gonna have to say uh, my money is definitely gonna be with Kiesa. Um, I don't know. I just think that Kiesa, all the tools that Neil Magny would need to beat somebody, Kiesa has and uses them just a little bit better. Um, you also got Worley Alves on that card, uh, Roxanne Modafferi, uh, Tyson Nam at flyweight, who's absolutely fucking fun to watch. Um, and then we get into next weekend, right? This is what I was alluding to uh, just a moment ago. I would like to announce the return of the notorious Conor McGregor. When I hit, they fall. Justin Poirier is a man on a mission. I know I'm one of the best in the world. Now it's time to fight again. Let's go! It's time! Yeah, so Conor McGregor taking on Dustin Poirier the second time. Uh, man, this is this is one of those fights that it happened. It happened uh, early in both of their careers, right? And now we've seen the full potential of Dustin Poirier, right? Dustin went on after this fight, uh, had some wars, wars. Eddie Alvarez, Anthony Pettis, both of which he won. Goes on to beat Justin Gaethje. Uh, has a fight with Max Holloway for the interim uh, lightweight title. And and wins. Beat my boy Max. Um, fights Khabib. Actually had some decent success against Khabib. Um, 
and then, you know, bouncing back after that loss, he fights Dan Hooker in what was my round of the year, um, and, and won. Dustin the Diamond Poirier is an, he's an animal, and a completely different fighter from the first time that they fought. Um, Conor McGregor, on the other hand, they've said it a hundred fucking times, man, he has the touch of death in his left hand. Uh, by far the best left hand in mixed martial arts, maybe even in in combat sports. Uh, since their fight, Conor went on. He won the interim featherweight title. Chad Mendez won the featherweight title. Jose Aldo won the lightweight title against Eddie Alvarez. Uh, the Nate Diaz fights. You know he lost to Khabib, um, but then comes back and starches Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, Conor McGregor is a very different fighter from the last time that they met. Um, and as much as I'm a fan of Dustin Poirier, as much as I'm a fan of Conor McGregor, I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> like, Conor saying in interviews, I'm going to knock him out in 60 seconds. Dustin saying that he's going to be the first man to finish Conor McGregor. I truly don't know. I, I have no idea. I have a feeling... Connor is going to end it. Um, just just like I said, Connor has the touch of death in his hand. I'm not going to be surprised if Dustin Poirier submits Connor McGregor um, or takes him to a five round war and just uh, outlasts him. I would not be surprised. I think that as of right now, Connor McGregor is more than definitely. Like, he's probably going to finish Dustin Poirier. That's my, that's my prediction. I know you guys are going to ask me. That's my prediction. I don't think it's going to be in 60 fucking seconds at all. Um, but I, I do think he's going to finish Dustin, uh, maybe second round. If Dustin lasts, if Dustin can make it out of the second round with Conor McGregor, Dustin's going to win the fight. That's like, that's how up in the air I am. Um, the lightweight title picture is so crazy though. Right? So you have that as your main event, your co-main event, Dan Hooker taking on the uh, UFC newcomer, Michael Chandler. If you're not familiar with Mike Chandler, uh, Mike Chandler was the Bellator lightweight champion. Uh, had some wars. Wars. Eddie Alvarez, Ben Henderson. Um, who I've actually met. Ben Henderson's a really nice guy. He actually came to our gym one time and, and done some rolling. And uh, and we were like we were just sitting on the mats talking. And he had a fucking toothpick in his mouth. I always thought it was like bullshit. Like I thought everybody was making up that that rumor that he always has a, a toothpick in his mouth. No, he he fucking rolled. Uh, with my my coach at the time too was like a, a heavier set guy, um, and he fucking rolled with him with a toothpick in. I mean, it just blew my mind. Super nice guy though, Mike Chandler. I have a lot of uh, I have some history with, and I I really love and respect Mike. That's a tough fucking fight though. Dan Hooker, that is a tough fight for anybody at lightweight. That is an exceptionally tough fight for Mike Chandler. Uh, so much so, I can't even, I'm not even going to predict that one. <clears throat> just, you know, I just, I'd be a little biased because Mike's, uh, Mike was really cool to me. Um, you also got Jessica I and, and Joanne Calderwood on that fight, or on that card. Uh, Matt Frivola taking on Otman Ozater, who is a lightweight fighter. Trains with Justin Gaethje, by the way. Uh, so he's an absolute savage. 
And then you have my Brazilian girlfriend, Amanda Ribas, fighting Marina Rodriguez. Um, that's going to be a sick-ass card. The prelim card has the return of Khalil Roundtree Jr., who um, Khalil had like a highlight finish on the Ultimate Fighter. He, uh, he had some pretty good luck in the UFC. Moved to Thailand, like up and moved to Thailand. Uh, came back from Thailand, a completely different fighter. I mean, his his actual traditional Muay Thai is just fucking phenomenal. Um, I'm always excited to see Khalil fight. Uh, it's a light heavyweight. Uh, Brad Tavares at, at middleweight. Juliana Pena at women's bantamweight, taking on Sarah McMahon. Um, I mean, that's going to be an absolutely incredible card. It's UFC 257, January 23rd at 8 p.m. 8 p.m. is the main card time, I think. Nope, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard is the main card. 8 p.m. for the prelims. Dana White supposedly has a system uh, in place so that you are not going to be able to illegally stream these fights. I'm very excited to see what this is. And then ultimately meme about it afterwards. <laughs> um, man... So, the blowout from this weekend and the blowout from next weekend. Um, Max Holloway definitely deserves the winner of the Brian Ortega-Alexander Volkanovsky fight. Um, Calvin Cater, on the other hand, what do you do with him? Um, I think you keep him right up there at the top. I think the best things to do would be to let him uh, maybe rematch the beat in a five-round fight. Um or potentially move forward, let him fight Yair Rodriguez. Um, or hell, I would even be cool if, um, you know, maybe he took on Josh Emmett when Josh Emmett comes back. Or Shane Burgos rematch. That'd be perfectly fine with me. Um, and then the title picture at 155, which, by the way, Khabib done an, uh, a meeting with, with Dana White. And he says that if anybody impresses him, He'll come back for one more. If not, then he's going to move on, which I respect. But if you were looking to be impressed, Max Holloway did just that. They were booked to fight once before. I would not be mad at a Max Holloway, Khabib Nurmagomedov booking, like at all. Um, I think the winner of this weekend's fight, though, uh, between Dustin Poirier and uh, Conor McGregor, I think they should be fighting for a title next. In my opinion, it would be against Justin Gaethje. If not Justin, then, um, hmm, I don't want to say Charles Oliveira because uh, we've only seen him in the top five really uh, defeat Tony Ferguson, but kind of looking like the winner of, of this weekend versus Charles Oliveira. I'd rather see it against Justin Gaethje um, and maybe the winner of Dan Hooker and Mike Chandler against Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje, depending on how that situation uh, falls out. Um, there's just, that was a lot of shit, man. I mean, I had to, I had to come do this episode. Like I said, like there's going to be about a thousand different MMA podcasts. They're just splurging this fucking information. So at least, yeah, I know I have a lot of MMA fans here. At least I gave it to you guys pretty, pretty decently quick. I had to wake up this morning and rewatch the fight to make sure I wasn't like fucking dreaming or hallucinating. I mean, Max Holloway put on the single greatest performance uh, that I've ever seen. I cannot, I cannot say that enough. 
I'm super, super pumped for uh, McGregor Poirier too. I'm excited to see uh, Mike Chandler and Dan Hooker. I mean, I'm excited for everything. Um, coming up next for BKFC, uh, it's going to be February the 5th. Um, and we're going to see Paige Van Zandt make her bare-knuckle debut against my girl, Britton Hart, which if you've not listened to the Britton Hart episode, it's been a couple months ago, but definitely go back and check it out. Britton Hart's a phenomenal chick. Um, I mean, super cool, super down-to-earth. She gets the honor of the money fight with uh, Paige Van Zandt, which I'm I'm not mad at that matchmaking. I'm not mad at that matchmaking at all. I think that's going to be a really fun fight. Um, you got Chris Lieben taking on uh, Quentin Henry. And then Johnny Bedford versus Dat Wynn for the 135-pound bare-knuckle championship title. I do not know how that fight's going to go. I'm assuming that Dat is probably going to knock out Johnny Bedford. If he can't, though, Johnny Bedford is a fucking... It's a tough dude. He can take a beating and give one right back. Um, so that's going to be fun. That's February the 5th in Tampa, by the way. If you guys want to go. Um, live on pay-per-view starting at 9 p.m. Check it out. Follow them on uh, on Instagram at... Bare Knuckle FC, and you get all this news. They post uh, highlights all the time. They've actually already started posting um, some Paige Van Zant um, propaganda. <laughs> I don't know what you'd fucking call that. I guess like clips, Paige Van Zant clips and whatnot. Um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope that this first ever takedown MMA episode was pretty fun. I hope I didn't ramble too much. Man, what a fucking weekend. There's a lot of great fights to come man and uh maybe next time i do one of these episodes it'll be with a guest to kind of alleviate some of the awkwardness because you guys know i hate fucking podcasting alone um as always check out our link tree in the bio follow us on instagram at the takedown podcast check out mine and my brother's podcast at the weekly forecast um the link is in our bio to phone soap to adidas we're sponsored by adidas by the way um Kaloa Surf, which is a fucking phenomenal company. They sent me a free hoodie and a free beanie, and I wear the beanie all the time. Um, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of really good products that we, um, or a lot of really good companies that we work with, and like that's the thing is like I'm never gonna peddle shit to you guys that I don't use myself. Like I love phone soap. You guys know I'm a fucking germaphobe. Um, I love phone soap. I love Kaloa Surf. I love Adidas, dude. Adidas are my favorite shoes. Like I. I'll always love Air Force Ones, but I have Adidas Nomads that I'm literally wearing the fucking soles out of. And um, my Yeezys, I have the 350s, the, the 350 Boost. I fucking love them. I have the Clays. I mean, I love Adidas. I love Kaloa Surf. I love Phone Soap. I love CBD, and that's why I use Game Up Nutrition, a.k.a. the Nick and Nate Diaz brand. And future kimonos because I love jujitsu and I love flexing on motherfuckers in a fly ass gi. Anyways, check out the link tree in our bio to see everything. Um, I love you guys. I really appreciate you guys. I hope that you guys had fun listening. Hope I've not taken up too much of your time. And uh, I hope you guys have a good week.